Sometimes I think it's good to get a visual on some of these stories from the Bible. Uh, it's important for us to realize that these are events that happen, and if that had happened to you, how would you have responded? If you were Mary, if you were in her sandals and in that situation, all of a sudden out of nowhere one day, in the midst of an ordinary day, living your ordinary life in this ordinary town, an angel shows up, an angel who apparently has a perm, and he says to you, I mean, who knew? That's just Hollywood depiction of it, but at least you get a visual on it. This angel showed up and said, greetings, favored one. God has found favor in you, and then that's just the beginning. You're going to get pregnant. You haven't been with a man, but still, miraculously, you're going to become pregnant. And the child inside of your womb is going to be the, the heir of the throne of David, and his kingdom will have no end, so he's going to be even greater than David, the greatest king in the history of their people. It would blow us away, I think, and that visual, I think, from that movie clip gives us just a sense of that. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to everybody who's here at our West Des Moines campus, and those of you who are watching at other campuses around the central Iowa area. Hello to Ames and Ankeny and Johnston Grimes and Des Moines and Waukee, and I hope I didn't forget anybody and everybody else who's watching. Uh, and it, it's just good to be the church together. It's good to celebrate. Here in West Des Moines, the kids sang, and it's always fun to see them get stage fright and just completely clam up and do their actions as they go. That was great, and shout, it's Christmas. So here it is. It is Christmas. The countdown is on. The two candles are lit of the four that lead us to the celebration of Jesus' birth. And today we zero in and focus on the story of Mary. The theme of the sermon is things are looking up. They're looking up for Mary. She's literally looking up to the heavens, to God, who brings this message to her through the messenger, which is what an angel is, a messenger, also a warrior in heaven. Jesus is going to be born, and he's going to change the world. But before we get there, we have a lot to learn in the prelude to the story. We have a lot to learn from Mary. Mary is one of the most misunderstood characters in the Bible. On one hand, some people worship her and pray to her. That's not biblical. On the other hand, in, a, in an overreaction to those who worship and pray to Mary, there are those who completely dismiss her and ignore her and don't want anybody to ever talk about her, and that's a huge mistake. That's not biblical either, because she's given a very prominent role in Luke's gospel. She shows up, and here's this announcement from the angel Gabriel, this messenger from God, and it's done in such a way that if you know your Old Testament scriptures, you realize this is a big deal. Isaac's birth was announced in a similar way, same kind of narrative, same kind of pattern. Ishmael's birth was announced in the same kind of narrative way. Samson's birth later in the Old Testament is announced in the same kind of way. The story, the way it unfolds, is also a call to Mary to uh, 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 move and affirm that God has created her for this. And that's very similar to the call of Moses, the call of Isaac, uh, the, the call of Samuel from the Old Testament. And so the way Luke is writing this, he's making it clear for anybody of his readers who know their scriptures that this is very much the same kind of thing. What's happening here is a big deal. Not to mention that Luke continually includes the Holy Spirit's presence in the midst of all these things. The Holy Spirit is the one who's going to do this for you, Mary. The Holy Spirit's going to be with Zechariah, the, the father of John the Baptist, and with Elizabeth, his mother. And the Holy Spirit's going to be with John the Baptist himself, revealing to him, while he's still a baby in the womb, that the baby in Mary's womb is the Son of God. The Holy Spirit's going to be there revealing to Simeon something he couldn't have known on his own, that the little eight-day 
three-day-old child after Jesus is born who's brought to the temple according to their religious custom is the Son of God. And so he sings out, and Mary sings out, and Zacharias sings out some of the most beautiful poetry and lyrics in all of the Bible. They sing their songs because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. God is showing up in big and powerful ways, not just on the night when Jesus was born, but in all of the stories leading up to it. And so we have a lot to learn here. I wanna, I wanna walk you through some of the important kind of movements of this story. The first thing to note is that the time had come. I, left off last week in my sermon in Galatians 4.4, where the Bible says, when the time had fully come, this child, this Savior, this Messiah was born of a woman, Mary in this case, but it was the timing of it that was important. The time came, epic change happened. Remember when epic was the cool word and everything was epic? Like, if you got a new skateboard, it was not just a cool skate, it was epic. And if you had really delicious potatoes for dinner, they were epic and everything was epic. Well, I try not to overuse this word. Awesome's another word like that too. But epic definitely fits here. There's nothing in the history of the world that's been more epic than this story of Jesus Christ that starts here. From the announcement of his birth that he's coming it truly is epic because it's going to take this upside down fallen world, God is, through this story and turn it right side up. It's epic. But there are some surprises along the way too. Not so much a surprise that God is the subject of this sentence, that God's the one who's doing it, but that we have a role. There's no doubt that God can do anything God wants, however God wants, because God is God. But if you know scripture, you start to realize a pattern pretty early that's consistent and with very few exceptions. When God wants to bring change into this world, transformation, new life, revival, he does it through you and through me and through ordinary people like Mary, through people who are not divine, for people who are imperfect, for people who are sinful, fallen human beings, and sometimes from people who are very surprising choices. Jesus didn't call religious people to follow him. He called fishermen and tax collectors and people who were often left behind in society. When Jesus was born, his first visitors were shepherds who were considered outcasts and criminals in society. That was their reputation. There's surprises all over if we know the context of which the text comes in which we're reading this Christmas story. Here's this surprise is that when God calls, no, go back, when God calls, when God calls, we have to believe. That's the way God does it. It's not that God can't without us, but God chooses to include us in it. Imagine how different this story would be if Mary didn't answer the call. If the angel appeared to her and Mary just said, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't really know. But Pastor Richard has a line about that. He says, sometimes it's the Holy Spirit and sometimes it's the pizza we ate last night. And you have to be able to discern between the two. It's giving you this vision, right? What if this angelic vision that Mary got, this intimidating warrior from heaven shows up and tells her she's going to be the mother of God, and Mary just says, no, you know, I don't think so. I'm going to pass on that. I'm, I'm not going to see it that way. I'm not going to answer the call. I'm not going to fulfill it. I'm going to go a different way. I, I don't think that was really God. I think it was a figment of my imagination, whatever it might be. What if she didn't believe it? 
well, we'd have a different story. But the truth is, she did. She heard the call and she believed it. And that belief makes all the difference. How we respond to God's call on our lives, and I'm not just talking about Mary anymore, I'm talking about you. How you respond to God's call on your life, and make no mistake about it, the Bible's clear about this, God has a call on your life. God created you for purpose, and it doesn't have to be some grand, singular kind of focused purpose that you have to do some major thing all by yourself. It could be that, or it could be a series of small to medium-sized things that God puts together, and when you step back and look at it, it is a mountain. It is epic. But it takes belief. If you sit back passively, if I sit back passively, if Christians sit back passively and just say, well, if God wants it to happen, it's just going to drop out of the sky and happen. That's not biblical. That's spiritualistic. That's not the way God works in the history of, of humankind. God calls us, and he expects us to answer with faith. And if we don't, the story doesn't come out. We don't, if we don't respond faithfully, we don't get the results. If the response isn't faithful, the results aren't going to come. But in this case, the response was faithful. So three surprises I want to point you to, specifically in the story of Mary that leads to Christmas on this second Sunday of Advent. Surprise number one, let's read this from our Bible reading today from Luke chapter one, starting with God sent. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. I highlighted the three surprises. That this was Nazareth, not Jerusalem, not the holy city, not where the central temple was, not where everybody expected the Messiah would come from. For over 700 years, prophets had said the Messiah is going to come. They expected and assumed, I'm sure, that the Messiah would come out of the temple and would probably be a, a, a child of one of the, the Sanhedrin or the Pharisees or, or one of the chief priests, so, somebody on the council, somebody way high up in religious circles. It wasn't Jerusalem. It was Nazareth, which isn't just another town outside of Jerusalem. It's in a whole other region of, of the Holy Land. It's in Galilee, up, up around the Sea of Galilee, only it's not one of the scenic towns around the Sea of Galilee. It's one of the sleepier towns that's really kind of nondescript, and there's not a whole lot going on. If there's another side of the tracks back in Jesus' day, it was Nazareth. That God would choose somebody from Nazareth to be the mother of his son is a big surprise for anybody who knows their Holy Land geography back then or even to this day. Nazareth is still a sleepy little town. In Galilee, not in Judea, not in the region of Jerusalem, and then that he would choose Mary. That he would choose this girl who wasn't of royal ancestry, who didn't have a claim to fame that would make her famous, that would, that would ha have her stand out, that, that, would, that everybody would think, well, of course, when God shows up, it's, it's going to be somebody prestigious. It's, it's going to be an episode of The Crown that you're binging on right now, season two. It's going it's to come right out of a royal family. The only connection Mary had to royalty was she was marrying Joseph, who was a distant relative of David, way outside on the edges of the family tree. Big surprise. But what does that tell us? I mean, the point is pretty clear that Luke is trying to make sure we don't miss. Don't count yourself out. Don't think, well, God only can use extraordinarily faithful people, super spiritual, super religious people. 
to accomplish great things in this world, to, to serve, to, to shine his light, to make a difference, to, to volunteer, to give, to go, to, to, to be in mission. That's just not biblical to say that. Biblically speaking, God always chooses ordinary people like this. He always surprises us. He always comes alongside and taps us on the shoulder. So wherever you're sitting right now, whatever campus, I want you to turn to your right and or your left. You choose. Maybe the person on your left, you don't think they're called. But whoever it is and say, God calls you. Surprise. Go ahead and just say that. It's a big surprise. God's calling you. <laughs> Some of you still don't believe it. You're like, nah, no. I'm just a regular guy or gal. Exactly. You're God's type. That's exactly who he goes for. That's who Mary was. You say, no, 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 no. Mary's the one who's in all the paintings. She was an ordinary person that God called to do extraordinary things. Surprise. Surprise number two. Not just that God calls you, but you are called to respond with faith. Let's read this together. You can leave the Mary out in the parentheses. I'm just saying that. I've just included that so you can see who the you is. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Fascinating little verse, don't you think? So I don't get the fascinating part of it, preacher. What is it? This is what Elizabeth said to Mary. Elizabeth was also pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary had to go see her relative Elizabeth. The angel Gabriel said, Elizabeth is pregnant. But that's a big deal because Elizabeth, well, the, she and her husband Zachariah, who was a priest, both thought they'd never have a child. But they wanted to, and so it was a big surprise that she was pregnant. Mary's excited to hear that news, but Elizabeth is even more excited. Even more excited that Mary comes to visit her because Elizabeth, it has been revealed to her that Mary's going to be the mother of God. And so when Mary comes into Elizabeth's home, Elizabeth says to her, blessed are you, hail Mary, full of grace, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Those of you who grew up Roman Catholic, that'll sound vaguely familiar. Those of you who watched Rudy, the movie about the Notre Dame football team, you might know it too. <laughs> Those of you who went to confession and the priest said, do three Hail Marys, this is the Hail Mary. Hail Mary Elizabeth said to Mary, you are blessed among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. It's right out of the scriptures. It's right out of the Bible. You're blessed, Mary. Elizabeth knows it's been revealed to her by God that Mary, her relative, is blessed. The baby in my womb, John the Baptist, Elizabeth says to Mary, leapt for joy when he came into the presence of the baby in your womb, Mary. That's how big of a deal you are. You are blessed. And we assume, because we live in a world of status and position and, and all the power and prestige that comes with those things, we assume that what Elizabeth means is she's blessed because she's been given this status. She's been given this position in life. She's been given this incredible calling to be the mother of God. And I suppose that's part of it. That is a blessing. But that's not what Elizabeth says in the next verse. She says, you're blessed because you believe. Surprise. It's not your status. It's not your position in life. It's not the trophies you won at the tournament last weekend. It's not the plaques you get for doing special good things. It's not the recognition you get. 
It's not the letters of thanks that you get. It's not that people finally acknowledge all the good things that you do that you should live for as if that could be soul satisfying once they finally do. It's not. If we start to live for those things and we start to think, if I could only achieve a certain sort of status, a certain sort of popularity at school or at work or with my friends or in this community, if I can only become someone, if I can only become famous, if only the lights could shine on me in such a big way, then I'd have a satisfied soul. Then I'd really be extraordinary. Then I'd be something. Then I'd have a life that very few people get, but some are blessed to receive. It's not what Elizabeth is saying. She's saying there's a deeper blessing. There's a greater joy. There's something worth striving for and living for that goes way beyond all of human achievements combined. Blessed are you, Mary, because you believed, because you trust, because you have faith. What good news that is. Because that means every single one of us, everybody who can hear my voice right now, can be amongst the most blessed people on planet Earth, regardless of your status, regardless of your position in life, regardless of your popularity or lack thereof, because you have this thing that God revealed to Elizabeth and Elizabeth told Mary, you've got the thing that makes you the most blessed. Blessed are you amongst all women. Blessed are you, Mary, And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Blessed are you because you believe it, because you've got faith, because you've got something that kings and prophets and queens long to have, but they don't always have. And if they don't have it, no matter how much stuff and material and power and thrones they can sit on, they still aren't rich. If you have faith, you're the richest. You have the most at this world, this fallen, messed up world that you could achieve in this world. And it is this gift from God, which God calls us to respond to the same way Mary did. When we have this faith, it changes everything. You say, oh, come on, you're really kind of pushing one verse in one story. It's not just one verse. It's a major theme. This little baby who was born to Mary and to Joseph grew up, and this became a major theme in his teaching. A few chapters later in the same gospel, chapter 8, verse 21, some people come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside, and they want to see you. And Jesus says, yeah, but my mother and my brothers are right here. They're everybody who hears God's word and obeys it. In other words, they're people who believe, who respond to God's word faithfully and live it out, who don't just play church, who don't just pretend to be religious by doing religious things, who have actually let God's word get into their hearts and their heads and make a difference in their lives. It actually plays out in the way we live. Jesus, God in the flesh, said those are my mother and my brothers. People who have that kind of faith. A few chapters later, a woman comes up to Jesus and she's very impressed. She's like, Jesus, you're so great. You do all these miracles. And your mother must be so blessed to be your mom. Some of you are moms of extraordinary kids in this church. Right? Some of you are like, yes, amen, I am. That's what you're thinking, some of you, right now. My kids are extraordinary, and they are. But Mary's got one up on you. Her son is God. (laughs) I mean, with all due respect to your kid made the honor roll, Mary's kid saved the world, all right? Mary's kid is God in the flesh. 
Mary's kid is more. And this woman acknowledges it and says, your mother must be so proud of you because she is her kid's mom, right? She's, she's got to feel so blessed because she's your mother. And, and, and then she gets into some kind of poetic flowery language and blessed is her womb that brought you into this world and blessed are her breasts that nursed you and, and allowed you to grow. Blessed are, is she in, 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 as a mother. And Jesus responds by saying, yeah, but even more blessed are all who hear, who heard the word of God and put it into practice. That's where you and I come into this story. We're even more blessed than somebody who can say, I am my kid's mom and my kid is God. <laughs> more blessed. We have more. Jesus teaches that there's something greater than that status as a parent. To say, look at my kids. Something even more when we believe. Surprise. Sometimes we underestimate faith, don't we? We think, oh, it's just, it's just a, it's a way we think about God, or it's a way we think about life, or the way we think about things. No. It's the greatest blessing in this fallen world that anybody from rich to poor financially could ever achieve, from famous to infamous could ever achieve, and it's free for you. It's available for you, so I got to ask. I mean, it begs the question, right? How's your faith? Because how you honestly answer that question has everything to do with how content you are and how satisfied your soul is. You say, well, I thought contentment came when everything started to work out in my life. When I finally achieved my goals, when I finally got recognized for all the good stuff I've done. It won't. It's not nearly enough. You're gonna need something more. That's what this baby grows up to teach us. The son of God. That's what Mary's example shows us. That's what God revealed to Elizabeth who told Mary, you are the most blessed, but not because of the things the world would think, because you're the mother of God. You're the most blessed, Mary, because you believe, because you have faith. How's your faith? How is it, is it just something that is sort of out there, it's a, it's a minor detail in your life? Maybe it's time to make some changes, to make some room. Let every heart prepare him room, we sing in joy to the world. Prepare him some room this Christmas season. Make some space to pour in to something that will give you life in a way that nothing else can, that will give you something that can transform you in the here and now. See, it's not just faith so you believe in something that's gonna get you to heaven someday. It's faith in a God who can bless you right now. Elizabeth didn't say to Mary, Mary, you're gonna be blessed someday when you die so you can get into heaven because you believe. She said, Mary, you're blessed, the most blessed among all women because you believe right now. That's the blessing you get in the present tense right now. So make faith more of a priority and watch how that response leads to different results which leads to the last surprise and that's that all things are possible with God. In some of the translations it says something uh, different about believing in the word, but the original Greek is, for nothing is impossible with God. Will you read that with me, please? For nothing is impossible with God. Now think about what you're up against. The health issue, the relationship that isn't working out, the dream that isn't realized, 
The, the, the hope that hasn't uh, come to fruition, the, the, the frustrations you have at work or at school or, or things just aren't coming together the way you, the, the, the sense of malaise you have, the sense of, of, of emotional numbness you're feeling, the, the struggles you're having. Think of all those things that you're up against. And let's read this again together. For nothing is impossible with God. Let's read it again. For nothing is impossible with God. Let's read it again. For nothing is impossible with God. What if you believed that? What if that wasn't just a verse to memorize? And by the way, that's not just the only place that says that in the Bible. It's repeated over and over and over. What if we believed that? You're starting to get a sense for why belief is so important? It starts to change our circumstances right now, the way we see them, the way we get through them. You're so blessed, Mary, because you believe. Not because your life is perfect. Not because you've given, been given this honor. You're blessed because you believe. You're blessed because you have something of substance, something stronger, something deeper, something that's going to last longer, something that's more powerful, something that can break through all of the obstacles around you, something that can get you through the hard times. How's your faith? Because when you respond faithfully to the call that God has in your life, it changes the results. It changes your future and your present. It changes the way you see things right now. Let's read it one more time. For nothing is impossible with God. If we believe that, I mean, it just changes our, changes our outlook on life. See, if you believe, it changes your attitude. It changes everything. It's the power of faith. Now I know. It didn't work out for Lloyd Christmas. See, it was a Christmas clip, too. It didn't work out for Lloyd Christmas and Dumb and Dumber, but it did get him through. And he ended happy, even though he didn't get on the bus and he, didn't, he missed all these sorts of things that were out there for him. He still had joy because he believed. He believed. I'm not saying he had faith in God. I, well, he probably did. But believing gives us joy. It gives us hope. It reminds us that there is a way, and God makes a way where the world says there isn't a way. This is Matt McNeese. Everyone say, hi, Matt. Yeah. Matt is our missions director at Hope. You give him a big hand. He works hard, yes. Uh, Matt has, uh, has, is, is overseeing the team that, that is working on our Advent project at all of our campuses uh, during this Advent season, and it's called uh, A Voice of Hope. And a voice of hope is to come alongside of girls, ages 12 to 18, young women, uh, but most of them are girls, and a lot of them have kids. And they're living in Uganda now, but they're from South Sudan, and in that war-torn region, they fled South Sudan to get to Uganda as refugees. And of all the 1.3 million plus, is it, refugees who've come from the South Sudan, lit I mean, running for their lives. They're not leaving because they're like, well, it might be more prosperous for us somewhere else. They're leaving because they have no choice. They have to leave or die. And so they're running for their lives to get to, of all places, to find a safe haven, Uganda, which isn't the safest country on planet Earth, and certainly wasn't 10 years ago. So they're showing up as refugees, and of all the 1.3 million refugees who are fleeing and running for their lives, these girls in this age group are by far the most vulnerable. And they're the most traumatized, which is why we're reaching out to them first. Matt, tell us about that. You were just there. What did you see? And uh, where, where, do, where does our giving to this Advent project go? 
Yeah, no, nothing really can fully prepare you for what you're going to, what you would see when you um, enter a camp. At, at first, um, there's a lot of joy. Uh, you can see a, a healthy system because there is shelter and there is food and the basic necessities, the very basic necessities are somewhat provided for. But it's when you start to have conversations with um, young women, with these, this term child mothers, um, these are children that have children of their own, most of whom it's not of their choosing that they've had these children. They've been taken advantage of. You see, women bear the biggest brunt of a war, like a civil war that's happening in South Sudan. In fact, uh, it's affected education so much that an adolescent girl, an adolescent girl is three times more likely to die in childbirth than to complete a primary level education. And so, as we had conversations with these girls, like we saw in the Hope 360 video, Susan, who, with her child, separated from her parents under gunfire, fled her home. She had to hide in the bush so she wasn't um, attacked, and journeyed, and it was a weeks-long journey by foot, with very little water, very little food, in order to make it to Uganda. And then once there, she was provided with a tarp, a blanket, and some rations of food, along with a small plot of land to call home for who knows how long. But that's where Child Voice and, and us at Hope realized that there's an opportunity for the most traumatized, the most severely uh, affected girls to get them engaged and to be a voice of hope, to speak into them. And so for $200 uh, for each girl or for a whole neighborhood of 20 girls uh, for $4,000, we will be creating empowerment communities. These communities will provide uh, additional food. They'll provide much needed <laughs> trauma support, trauma healing and counseling. They'll provide hygiene items, which are of, of the utmost need, and care for the babies and baby hygiene items. The education and the hope for a future, that they would have an employable skill so that they could support their children and support themselves. So a voice of hope really is a light shining in the darkness in the middle of Uganda because of what's happened in South Sudan. It's really amazing to me, Matt, how far American money can go in Africa. Yeah. So $200 can truly transform a young woman's life, can, can turn it completely around, just $200. And it, so if you give 2,000, that's 10 girls. And if you give 4,000, that's 20. And it creates one of these communities, as you just said. That's, that's a powerful thing, and it's life-changing. And that gives food and clothing and education and counseling and, and comes alongside of them in their trauma. To those whom much is given, the Bible says, much is expected in return. And so if you haven't been given a lot, don't give a lot. But if you've been given a lot, pray about this and say, Lord, what do you want to do through me to make a difference here? The world would say, oh, that's impossible. They're refugees. Nothing could ever happen. Nothing good. There's, there's really no hope for them. For nothing is impossible with God. Read it with me one more time. For nothing is impossible with God. We believe. You are in a church right now that believes that impossible things become possible with God. And we've seen it, haven't we? We've seen lives start to change there. And so please pray about it and, and give generously to this. Be, be a giver and be an inviter. We also want you to invite people to our services any week, but also, especially, there's a great opportunity at Christmas Eve. You can tell people, we're not even gonna really be at church on Christmas <laughs> Eve. 
Just come at 11 or 2 or 5, you say, oh, well, I've got people in my life, there's no way they're ever going to believe. It would be impossible. You're sitting in the midst of people, whatever campus you're at right now, who are complete atheists before they came to faith in Jesus Christ because we believe in this church and we've seen it happen. It's not because we're special, we're ordinary people. But our God is extraordinary and he calls ordinary people to believe. And when we respond that way, the results are miraculous. So pray for this mission that we're doing uh, this Advent. Pray about what you can give to it. Pray about inviting somebody to come and meet Jesus Christ this Christmas. Somebody who's as far away from Jesus as you could possibly imagine. We're going to share the good news with them. We're going to tell them about a light that shines through the darkness. And we're going to call all of us to believe in this and to be the church. It's not a matter of sitting back and saying, God, if you want it to happen, and you'll just make it happen, right? God says, right. And that's why I'm calling you to go. That's why I'm calling you to give. That's why I'm calling you to invite. That's why I call you to serve. That's why I call you to believe. Live for something more. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand up and together I'll turn it over to the campus pastors uh, for your closing. And here in West Des Moines, we'll stand and we'll close with this song. Sorry we get out a little too early today, but, you know, hang in with that. That's all right.